We'll see. I'm the player to be named later. Welcome back. Another episode of the podcast be named later. I'm Sean. Jeremy, how you doing? We're we're right now at the time of recording. I believe we're about two weeks into spring training. Does that sound about right to you? Uh, I'd prefer to go by Mason Saunders for the rest of this podcast, oh, yes. if possible. Yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> which, which we will absolutely get to. <laughs> so, 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 Mason, how's the how's the rodeo out in Phoenix? Uh, you know, you know, you know. It's 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 a lifestyle. It's it's you know you, you get a you get a little roughed up, but it just you know whatever you got to do to make you feel alive. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to put any, you know, your contract in jeopardy or anything like. It's that. It's not like but, I make millions uh, of dollars a year or anything. No, no, but, no. it's not yeah. like your, it's not like your, your hand is like important or anything to the way that you make a living. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's just start there. We we were we were batting around a few ideas as to how to start the podcast <laughs> this time around. So for for those who haven't heard, and this is a very. Um, early March storyline I feel I feel like although very very <laughs> it's very classic end of February storyline it's it's better it's better than the typical like XYZ you know margin roster player showed up to camp in the best shape of his life is this the year the guy who's hit 220 for six years is going to finally hit 230 I'm telling you Jeremy this is the year <laughs> this is the year that Josh Harrison and Logan Forsythe resurged for the Phillies <laughs> as bench pieces. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so, so I don't know if you want to start. I, I can start on, on this topic, which is honestly one of the best storylines that is so perfect. But if, for those who don't know, uh, Madison Bumgarner, who famed uh, of World Series fame, pitching for the, the greatest Giants. The greatest playoff pitcher of all time. And also <laughs> just an irreprehensible grouch. Yeah, uh, yeah. As we've covered before on this podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but after signing this uh, new contract this offseason with the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, some a new story came out about, about Madison Bumgarner and that he has an alter ego named Mason Saunders. I guess it's not really an alter ego. It's it's alias, a, I guess. Yeah, alias. it's certainly an alias. But Madison Bumgarner apparently for the past few years has been competing on the rodeo circuits as a man named Mason Saunders, uh, and actually has won money from doing this. So he's actually pretty good and just like a decent. Either either nobody knew or nobody cared enough, or the the link between the rodeo fan bases and baseball fan bases are too <laughs> far apart that <laughs> nobody knew about this until now. Yeah, I, I I haven't read enough into it to feel – I just feel like there's got to be someone somewhere who is like, wow, that Mason Saunders sure looks a lot like Madison <laughs> Like, <laughs> Wait I a minute. <laughs> I mean, I know it's not like – I don't know, the, the rodeo – like you said, obviously there's a big difference between like rodeo and Major League Baseball, but there's got to be someone somewhere who watches both. And I, and I guess maybe he's like, again, I didn't read up enough to know like what level he was competing at. Like if he's just doing kind of the local thing, then, you know, no, maybe... apparently from, and, and I've only really, uh, I don't have an athletic subscription surprise, but like, I, I also, I, I heard a couple interviews about it and just reading about like what he's given credit, like what he's said about it. Mm-hmm. But apparently this isn't like, 
Like, this is professional rodeo. Like, it's not, like, this is what the rest of these people do for a living. Like, it's, it's not a hobby thing, uh, which is crazy to think that, you know, an MLB starting pitcher is just going to walk in and, <laughs> and is, is winning money. <laughs> like, he's meddling. I don't, I don't know what they give out at rodeos. Lassos? I don't know. Yeah, all right. <laughs> it's a great question. It's, it is it's a great question. No, because it's zero idea what they give out for winning a for, for I, competition. I know absolutely nothing. See, I've seen, I've I've been to a live bull riding event. Now that was that was actually pretty awesome. So oh, yeah. I've seen that. His thing is, I believe, is roping at the rodeo. So yes, team roping. He I don't. What he competed. Okay. And and apparently okay. that requires like a a partner. Uh-huh. And either the the partner knew completely about it, but I think his so his wife's Madison Bumgarner's wife's brother. So I think his brother in law is like a full time rodeo <laughs> ro- player. Ro- <laughs> what do you what do you call somebody who who makes their living off of rodeo? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, great questions we, a roper? Yeah. Really we shouldn't lead with this talk. one this should have been like our little outro just like a little joke and gone on it was... oh well it's, it's <laughs> so interesting to me though because like and and none the least of which that it, it could have very clearly had like an implication on his duty to fulfill his contract like it could have been a breach of contract story because like i read i read this like one of the the most uh, prevalent injury in team roping is like breaking your hand. Definitely and, can see that considering <laughs> you're holding a rope tied to a very angry animal. Uh, yeah. Um. And uh, Madison Bumgarner's <laughs> hand, in case you, you haven't noticed, it's kind of important. <laughs> <laughs> it makes him literally millions of dollars, but uh, it was, it was just an interesting storyline to come out. And, and especially at this point of the year, it was, it was perfect. Also, when you look at Madison Bumgarner, you realize that that's exactly what he was born to do. Yeah, apparently. So I've, I've got the story up right now. Not the athletic one, but like a spinoff story. He said he's been doing this since he was like 15 years old. Oh, yeah, sure enough, there's a, there's a tweet about it three months ago. Four outstanding ropings during day two of the Las Vegas Open in Wickenburg. Las Vegas Open wasn't in Wickenburg. Wickenburg must in, be near Las Vegas, I guess. I was like, yeah, it's an odd. <laughs> Jackson Tucker and Mason Saunders took home the biggest paycheck of the day, topping the 12.5 big gamble. The duo roped four steers in 31.36 seconds to pocket $26,560 in cash. Wow. <laughs> that's that's what, one start from Madison Bumgarner? Yeah, just that's about. Like- that's like six <laughs> innings of work for him. <laughs> Something tells me, I don't know. What, what do you think he worked harder doing? The roping for 30, 31 seconds of, of roping four steers versus, versus like one a five, start. six inning start against like once a week, you know, against the Royals. Yeah. Well, Royals aren't in the NL. I don't know why I picked the Royals. I'm curious against what he would say. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know I, but like <laughs> he very clearly like was not happy that this was found out because now he can't do it anymore <laughs> like, <laughs> like i feel like this was just a way for him to like get away from baseball because, <laughs> which actually would make sense because it doesn't seem like baseball makes him the happiest person in the world so yeah, it would surprise he's... me oh i remember like right after his playoff fame before it really started like at the at the height of like people liking him yeah he, it like came out that he was, you know, like super reclusive, like, you know, lives on farmland, like way out in the backwoods, like doesn't talk. 
So it, it like makes sense. I feel like he's almost like a victim of his own success and like he probably could have been perfectly happy like putting up gaudy numbers in San Francisco without ever getting attention and then, you know, oh, yeah. he does what he does in the World Series and just absolutely lights out, pitches every single game it feels like and then, you know, now he's now everyone knows him to the level that yeah, you know, he they was... do. He was too good at his craft for his own good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like he was—he would just would have been perfectly happy being like a five starter for like ten years, just mm-hmm. putting up like a nice, easy like four ERA, going yeah, like Joe ten Plan and eleven, and then just you know w- rode off into the sunset and went literally transitioned to his roping career. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's it's such a great story, but I feel like. We've probably spent enough time on Mason Saunders for a podcast. Although I don't, I don't think I don't think we can fill as much uh, time with Mason Saunders as we did on the Astros uh, the other weeks. So. No, I, I don't um, know if we could pull off. Uh, certainly not with the level of preparation that we put up. Apparently, of, so. of course not. Um, there, there are a couple of th- other things. I mean, I think we wanted to touch on. Obviously, I think we're going to try to you know record again before. Um, opening day and, and really get an in-depth dive into what we're you know going to do or our predictions I think going into the season but right now there's really not a not a ton going on it's kind of a lull we're just kind of waiting for opening day to get here uh, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some of the rule changes that are coming up so um, since I don't want to talk about Didi Gregorius being 0 and 18 0 for I told 18 you only right three, only only uh, three strikeouts I'm not concerned it's not a if it's only three, yeah. that's not a contact issue. That's a quality of contact issue. And for a guy coming back from like a massive elbow injury in his career, was that the latest one or was that the, a previous injury? So it was the elbow. He, okay, he, okay. Um, he had Tommy John surgery, I believe. I do remember um, that. I couldn't remember if that was like his latest issue, if there's been something. He, he also, but... I think he also had something going on with his knee. I That's be, a lot of things. I, I could be wrong. Those are a lot of um, important joints. So, call, Yes, call, which is why he only got a one-year deal. Like, this yeah. is, you know, this is, we know this about Didi Gregorius, but. Um, it's March 5th. If we're still sitting here on March 19th and he's hit list, <laughs> give, give me a call and we'll, we'll, we'll figure some things out. Definitely. Well, I mean, we might not have to worry about it. If he, if he stinks, he'll be gone in a year and not have Alec Bohm to, to watch. And everything <laughs> will be perfect in the world. Uh, but I'll, I'll cede the floor to you for uh, a little bit of, you know, yeah, touching yeah. on, on what's coming up. I'll run through the changes. I don't, I'm curious to see how you feel. If you feel any of them are earth shattering. I don't, I don't see a ton of like huge stories in the, in the changes, but anytime like a rule changes in baseball without, like the league shutting down because everyone's so angry about it, I feel like is is an interesting storyline. And I feel like it kind of got swept under the rug between, you know, the all the Astros stuff and then the 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 playoff basically our whole episode from last week, like the yeah proposed yeah. playoff changes, which I still don't necessarily agree with. Probably Come on, real, you don't but, like picking your opponent. But um so I feel like they just haven't really gotten a whole lot of attention. It seems like maybe as we're getting closer to opening day, like I'm starting to see some more stories. I know like what made me think about talking about it this week was uh, Buster only had one specifically about one of the rules, but I'll just kind of go down on the list in the order that I'm currently looking at them in and just see what you think. So um, first one's the active roster has changed from 25 to 26 players through August 31st and then September 1st when uh, your roster would have expanded 
basically to your whole 40-man roster if you wanted. Uh, it's now capped at 28. Um, do you – what do you think? Do you think anything – any big changes? Obviously, it's adding a guy on the end of your bench. Like, this isn't going to give you, like, an extra starter or anything. But, like, what's your, what's your take on it? Do you think it has any so, lasting effects? I mean, I, I'm for it. I think just even – the, now the product, it's. I don't think it's going to make that big of a change, really. Mm-hmm. If if mm-hmm. we're talking about just twenty five to twenty six, if anything, it just gives teams another chance of adding a, yet another reliever that'll only pitch every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, to because that's just we're in the age of super bullpens where there's going to be you know mm-hmm. a, a ton of pitchers out there. Um, just in terms of what it does to for you know teams' flexibility, I think it opens some interesting doors uh with you know injuries and just you're playing every day and it, it'll it'll be interesting to see if how teams utilize it but i'm really not sure if there's um a ton that can be used mm-hmm. but that's that's pretty um i, I don't think it makes a, a huge change but it gets some um i guess 30 extra guys more service time right so, right you know that's that's a positive for, for everybody involved. I think that's that's there. I think so they, they did cap it. I don't know if you had seen that. They capped it at it's still a maximum of thirteen pitchers. So I I kind of feel I don't know. I haven't looked I don't done the research. So but I do you like that just in general, it, capping it of the type of position player that you want to we have so many position players pitching now. Yeah, which is also there's a rule in there now too about that. I don't think it'll be a huge change, but we'll get to that one as well. Um, I don't, I don't know. I feel like everybody was sitting at around 13 anyway, or just with the like, you know, options manipulation. Like it was basically like you had 13, 14 guys rotating in and out of your bullpen, no matter what Yeah. anyway. So I don't, I don't think it does too much. Like I foresee, like, I feel like that 26 man spot will go to like a third catcher or like, you know, you're, you're, really? you're Billy Hamilton type. Like, that's what I see more than – because you huh. always see that guy that's, like, picked up who you're like, wait, who? Like, by off of waivers back when you could do waiver trades. Uh, <laughs> yep. And he would get added to the roster, like, literally just to steal a base in the postseason. And that was, like, his only purpose. And mm-hmm. I feel like it'll be that kind of guy that gets used more often yeah. just because of the cap. Um, but I still don't yeah, – I mean – even then a third catcher and, or a guy that can steal some bases for you, a pinch run, like give you a little different element on your bench. Like I really don't feel like over 162 games, that's really going to do all that much. Um, what I do think you'll see is like, if that opens the door to the DH coming to the NL, I think that changes some things a little bit because now you're going to talk about, like you'd already see a pretty big uptick in like, older guys who could still swing a bat but can't play defense for anything at this point. Like, you'll yeah. see them get more contracts, but now you could, like, stash someone like that, too, without it affecting your bench. Like, you don't have to worry about, like, right. you know, a bad example because he hasn't been hitting and he's also, like, 10 years older than he actually says he is. But, like, Albert Pujols could be on your bench without having to worry about him, like, <laughs> playing defense for you at any point. Right. Um, yeah, Albert Pujols would never be able to get a job in the National League <laughs> at this point, at this point, right? Yeah. Like, I mean – the, the fact that he has a job currently anywhere is, is, is astounding, but that's beside <laughs> the point. Like uh, my, my mind goes to, to Jim Tomey at mm-hmm. the end of his career. And I don't know if, if you remember this because the Phillies were terrible during that. <laughs> no, time, I do but, remember. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah. He, he like came back to the Phillies for a brief, brief stint, like halfway through a year that was completely lost. 
and um, you know, it hit a few home runs. Like it was fun for the fans, but um, you know, at the end of the day, he is picking up a roster spot. He can't really do anything other than pinch hit because he can't even play first base. Yep. Um, and, and from what I don't know if you do, but I get the sense at this point that DH coming to the NL is more a matter of when, not a matter of if. But I could be. I don't know. I, I guess. I think so. And, I think it has I, to. Is, do I have an accurate read on that? I, I mean, uh, obviously, I'm not in the uh, the players' association, but oh, I, uh, I know, I know, they voted me out. It was a big deal. Uh, do you still have your card? I mean, we can. <laughs> I do. I, I I've tried to get in the back door a couple times. Um, yeah. I, whatever. I don't want to get yeah. into it. It's gonna. It's Sad. gonna. Get, it's get, Now I'm all flustered. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what the negotiations are doing, but I would think so. I feel like it's one of those things where it's it's the, like the two outcomes. I feel like we're always it gets scrapped from the American League or it gets added to the National League, and it's never ever going really? to get scrapped. Like they would never. Oh, the, the Players Association will never allow that because that's you know fifteen or what is it, fifteen sixteen guys who would be completely out of jobs. Uh, you know, with a few exceptions, there's a couple of those guys that could probably still you know at least catch a fly ball or a pop-up or something and you know enough value in the bat that it wouldn't really matter but so that's not going to happen so I feel like it has it has to get added to the NL at some point I feel like we every day we're distancing distancing ourselves further and further from um you know the the get off my lawn type of baseball where we're we're so angry about everything and as the fan base continues well you hope it gets younger and younger I know they've had a problem connecting with more current generation type folk uh we're still here <laughs> yeah we're so, still here we made it so yeah there's something <laughs> um i just i just feel like that's inevitable i do I, I i at least agree with you i don't know if you're reading it right or we're reading it right but i'm on the same page so um hopefully there's that there speaking of the the options manipulation pitchers and two-way players uh option to the minor leagues must remain there for at least 15 days now before being eligible uh, rather than the previous 10 day minimum. So not, not a huge change, but uh, it it slides that because, you know, there were just a lot of times where it felt like those bullpen guys would be like middle of the summer and it'd be like, I threw back to back days. Now he's down to the minors, his replacements up, he throws back to back days. And a day later they bring up that guy who threw back to back days the first time. And it's like, Okay, you're basically it's a, it's just a paper transfer. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 playing with fourteen guys. Like, come on now. Um, so I think they they pushed that back a little bit, uh, and I think they also did the same pushback. Yes, they did the same pushback for pitchers going onto the injured list. Uh, it, if you are a a pitcher and you're placed on the injured list, it's a minimum of fifteen days now, as opposed to ten. Uh, which is going to probably help with, I, you know, think of the Dodgers in particular, like the, you know, oh, he's on the DL, but it's retroactive to the day after his last start, even though we just found out right. six days later. So he really only needs four days off. And let's go ahead and pull up some kid from the minors to throw five innings and he'll be back, you know, barely missing, you know, getting an extra couple of days of rest. Um, so that'll, that'll, help out with that a little bit it's mostly both of those rules i feel like you won't notice an impact it's just like keeps no, people I, I from, so. from manipulating the system a little bit um, teams will always find a way to manipulate the system to its fullest extent no matter yeah. where it is I, mean, yeah. it's, I don't think it changes too too much right 
At least uh, not for our purposes. No, no, certainly not. As a as a fan, I don't think you'd see really any differences there. Um, maybe a little bit more stability in the bullpen that like the super fans might notice, but that that's about it. Uh, and I feel like people are still <laughs> getting you know hurt pitching frequently enough that you'll still see just about the same shuffling back and forth. Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Then uh, another one, probably not a huge difference, but a nice little change. They dropped it down to 20 seconds for managers to challenge a play. Um, Thank the Lord. Yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> like, like, because they transitioned it last year, right, where you couldn't – What they made some change where it was – because it was basically like a manager would take, like, two steps out on the field and stand there for 30, 45 seconds. Phone. And then someone in the tunnel would be like, yeah, go ahead, challenge it. And then they changed – I can't remember what, but they changed something last year to kind of sort of speed up that process, but it didn't do a whole lot. Uh, so now you've got the, the 20 seconds to, to challenge a play, which is nice. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, this is a big – this is a past change, but since we don't have a ton of content uh, in the, the quieter days of spring training, what, what do you think about the challenge in baseball? Just in general? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm – I think I tend to fall more on the side of being more of a baseball purist. So mm-hmm. in that sense, I, I don't, I don't like it. I get the idea that you want to make the calls correct. I, I completely get it, especially with, you know, the game getting so much faster umpires, the human eye basically not being able to keep up with it as well as it could in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think it is a necessary thing. I mean, every other sport does it. Like, yeah. It's, you know, baseball isn't like every other sport in the sense that it does have a little bit more of, uh, you know, classic of a nature to it. But at the same time, it's, it's, I get that it had to happen. I'm not like thrilled about it because it just takes away from the viewing experience for me. And like, yeah. I think part of the, the thing about baseball that, um, you know, at least was always cited as, as kind of part of the romanticism about baseball is that you could, whatever you could get away with, like, it was legal yeah. type of deal. Yeah. Um, but I, I do get that baseball needs to, to do that, to get themselves into the 21st century, and that was a way to do it. So right. that's where I kind of stand on it. I'm pretty sure the Astros just called to offer you a front office job after that last comment. So. Uh, okay. Oh, I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm yeah pretty... but, but I don't I, – I, to your point about, like, the I, – I just did not like the idea of the – like – there's very clearly somebody looking at a TV and instead of banging on the trash can, they're able to actually call the, the people in the dugout right. uh, and tell them what they're seeing so that they have like a 90% chance. Like there's no risk involved at that point. It's like the manager's just going to stand up there, waste everybody's time and see if like they are going to be, if they're going to be right, we're going to do it. Like there's no, there's no intelligence being put into that decision. It's very black or white. Right. They're taking time. Like they're, they're reviewing it so that the umpires review it. So it's, it's just like, they already know it's likely going to be overturned. I just, I don't like that whole aspect of it. And I'm not sure there is much you can do except for what they're doing and, and cutting down that timing. But I don't know, that's kind of where I'm at. I would be interested to see something along the line. Have you watched any XFL football this year? I've watched like a quarter. <laughs> Did you happen I, to see I can't do it. a challenger or re- like a review at any point during that quarter? Well, I know don't the, the fans get 
I don't to be a part of it, but is that I think is they that could see it a little bit, to? but so so what I like about it, and it, it would have to be really ironed out for baseball use. But what I like about it is they have a guy up in the booth whose job it is to like live react when there's a challenge. Like he's up there on site. It's not like we're, you know, putting a call into New York or whatever and they're sitting there and yeah. like he he just does it. And I feel like I don't know all the I feel like it, it probably would have quite a bit of technology that would need to go into it. But if we're already talking about like potentially automating strike zones, so you're removing that part of it. So you're basically down to safe or not safe, foul or not foul as the big you know, that's, that's about it. Did he maybe, you know, maybe did, was the tag there? Was it not, which is basically safe or not safe. So those would be your two main issues. So like, I would love to see a guy whose job it is to, they're at the ballpark. They have the, the, you know, the live broadcast, they're able to pause, rewind, whatever. And they just, if a play is at all questionable, they're already reviewing it. They're already like, you know, watch it live. Ooh, was that, did that, you know, kick up some chalk did it hit the foul line or was it on the side and before a team has even decided do we need to take a look at that he's already looking and he just goes straight to the head umpire and was like that was actually fair and there, there's there's definitely work to to be done there because obviously like if an umpire calls foul and the the batter's either you know not running or stops running or whatever so there's there's complications there so it's not a perfect system but i would love to see something like that where it's just like because the current challenge, I, I agree it needs to be there. It's in all the sports. Like, you need to have some way to do it because, it, you know, it sucks when you, you lose a game by one run because, you know, in the fifth inning, a ball was called fair that was foul or vice versa, something like that. So, like, I'm all for making sure the call is right. Uh, but another one of the things that I always loved about, like, and they're trying to iron out with the, the pitching rule changes and stuff like that, uh, it's just like the flow of the game and there's no clock and it's very like, there's not a lot of interruption as far as actual baseball stuff going on and a manager coming out onto the top step waiting for now 20 seconds, but 30 seconds to, you know, have somebody say, don't worry about it. And then going back in is a very noticeable interruption to the game. So, it really so <laughs> I, I would love to see something like that. I feel like it's possible. You would just have to like, I don't, there's definitely things that would have to be ironed out, but that's for like a rules council to decide or, you know, a commissioner or something, not for a humble podcaster, but that's my idea. <laughs> uh. I, I like the idea. There is one issue I, I see with the right off the bat. And I think it's, you can only really do it in playoffs yeah. because there's just, there's so many games yeah. and to have like an MLB official at every single game, I just don't find it feasible. Yeah. Um, mostly for the reason that the the most feasible way I think you can do it is just by having a guy in every city that's certified to doing it, but then that just seems biased at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they're working constantly the same team, like it's it's just impossible. But, I suppose that's I mean, fair. obviously that's like such a minute detail that you know when the postseason does come around and something happens, like I'm going to wish you like your idea was actually taken. Yeah. Uh, by by the MLB, but I know they they've had some issues with you in the past, and that's why you got thrown out of the player association in the first place. So, um, you know the the day name might not be salvageable. It's yeah, it's 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 been besmirched in lots of baseball circles. So, um, yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I guess the counter 
we won't get into this. This is a weird rabbit hole to go down. I didn't mean to take it, us it, there, it, but it really, I, really if is. you have to have, like, they have a live score at every game, so I, I don't know if it's that. Di- yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's definitely. I think you're you're probably the the. I think the conclusion is like I I want it to be a part of the game. I just want it to be smoother in some way, shape, yes. or form. Absolutely. Uh, and and to be fair to baseball, again, to be fair to Rob Manfred, not that I'm in the business of being fair to Rob Manfred, um, although I, I might be now for as much as I've been bringing it up, but, uh, you know, it is only like, what, the third year, fourth year yeah, of it yeah. actually being implemented, like, there, there's always kinks when you add something like that. And there, there, it seems like they're at least willing to work it out and change the rules year to year to cut down on the time. Yep. And, you know, I, can't, I can't really be super mad at it uh, until it robs the Phillies of something. Else, so. <laughs> Nothing's a problem until it is, is essentially the stance that it's been taken. Uh-huh. Which, yeah, I mean, uh-huh. it's, it, it, you know, if it's not, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. But we'll we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, and then I think I think the biggest one and the only one we haven't touched on yet, say that kind of the biggest for last, or potentially the biggest for last. I think it. I've only seen it two ways. Either everyone's like it's not a big deal at all, or they're like, oh, this is a huge change. It changes everything. The you're you're cramping the manager's style. Like the and, and that is that pitchers now have to face at least three batters. Mm-hmm. And the or end the inning or get injured, and those are your only three outcomes now. So, what do you what do you, what do you think? I'm kind of in the same boat where I think it probably needed to happen. Mm-hmm. I really don't like that it's happening. I, I just I don't. Granted, I think the worst part about watching a baseball game on television is pitching changes constantly mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. in the seventh inning sixth seventh on um but at the same time like it's i don't know i think i think it takes away the ability to play righty lefty it, it takes away that whole um you know the the idea of strategizing you know who the pitcher is going to go against mm-hmm. uh it, i think it um it it can it can probably lead to I think maybe some interesting things that uh, managers can do with pinch hitters and and where they can kind of squeeze them in if they know who's going to be facing them. Yep. Um, so I think in that way it gives a a bit of an advantage to the offensive team uh, if that makes sense. So I think it's in that sense. I mean that's I think that's probably good for baseball mm-hmm. just in general um, and and. I think I think it makes for a better viewing experience. I think it makes for a um, less classic game, a less um, I don't want to say pure because that's not the word I'm looking for, but just a, a game that's not as um, uh, doesn't feel as much like baseball to me. Yeah, if that makes sense. I think it, it's interesting too because I think it almost will feel like a minute change in. Everything except for the postseason. Really, I feel like the well, postseason think, is going to be. I think this one's the biggest. Yeah, one. I think I, it's definitely the biggest one on the list. I don't. That's and that's kind of what I was getting at. The intro is just like I don't see anything here that I'm like, oh, this is just earth shattering. Like game is different. Um, I this one has the most effect. I I think, and I so I'll I'll give the credit to Buster Olney and his piece here, but. Um, 
I feel like the biggest impact is on the playoffs because that's when you saw it the most. Like you could see like three pitchers in one inning because it was like, well, we know we're getting the day off and also we're trying to win a World Series, so it takes what it takes. Uh, but in the, the excluding September when you had like, you know, up to 40 people on your roster, the instances of relievers facing one batter by season has gone down almost like clockwork every year from 2010 when there were 883 occurrences of it, which was 8% of the time of relievers coming in. Uh, down to last year, it was 797 for 5.9%. And it was trending pretty cons- really? pretty consistently down. It's interesting. I wouldn't have necessarily guessed that. No way. Um, but so it went from 2010, it was at 8%. 2011, 8.6. 2012, 8.5. So a little bit of an upswing from 2010 to those two years. And then it starts the pretty steady downturn, a little bit of up and down here. But 2013, 7.6. 2014, 8.1. 2015, 8.7. 2016, 7.1. Then 6.7 and 6.5 and 17 and 18, respectively. And then 5.9 last year. Um, So it was actually on its way down. I think think a lot of the heavy lifting of this rule is – taken care of by the or ends an inning because yeah yeah i don't know there's a lot of things it's it simplifies the strategy but there are still some strategy questions when you talk about pinch hitting you talk about guys who are just like ridiculously one-sided on platoons like where you know he has to face you like i think of Mm -hmm. uh, buster only brought him up but he was like kind of the first guy i thought of because I actually had him very briefly in like a keeper fantasy league just because I could play him on days when I knew they were facing a lefty starter is Jose Martinez, who's now with the Rays, but was with the Cardinals. And he slugs like 600 against lefties, hits well over 300 against them. But anytime he was brought in, it was almost immediately like, okay, we're going to a righty. And you would just, you would just sit him down Mm -hmm. Uh, or, you know, he would face a righty, but now you can't. Um, so someone like well, once it, once again the Rays exploiting market inefficiency. Yep, yep. I think I think that might have been a call with a lot of the guys. They like I, I'm starting to like <laughs> think of all the like outfielders they kind of brought in this year, where you're kind of like, uh, I mean, I guess like Hunter, like a Hunter Renfro type, when and it's like you know yeah. a big pop, but whatever. And then he's like, well, he does have splits going for him. Um, what'll be interesting to see is how intentional walks are are affected by this cuz i i think for the most part you're going to see oh that is interesting you're going to see almost everybody i would think go just righty lefty righty lefty all the way down your lineup now to take advantage of this um mm-hmm. so if i bring in a lefty to face you know i say i got anthony rizzo bias schwarber is who i'm facing and I come in, and though Rizzo's not a perfect example because he's actually decently hit lefties in, in over the last few years of his career, but say I come in, bring in my big lefty, gets Rizzo out, I don't want to worry about Baez, so I'm just going to put him on first base. And, and now there's not really any need to worry about that from like a game slowdown standpoint because you don't have to do the pitches. So just send him on down to first, and then I come at Schwarber, who's like, the perfect guy to target with this because he, he historically has not had good split. Like lefties have killed him. So I'm I feel like that's going to be an unintended consequence. 
I feel like there's just like that's that's how you handle this situation. And so it opens the question like, oh, well, maybe some people won't do lefty, righty, righty, lefty, whatever. And they'll stack it like, you know, lefty, righty, righty, lefty, lefty, righty, righty, you know. And so now it's like, yeah, well, I can't dance around that guy with the walk because then I got to put two people on. And uh, I don't know. You can get or what it what it will do, I think, maybe over time is force uh bullpen pitchers to be better just just in general. Yeah. Um, yeah because it's it becomes so much harder to, to hide guys in in situations um not that anybody's necessarily being hidden but like if if they're it, gone maybe perhaps are the days of like lefty specialists yeah um the guy who you keep in your bullpen just to get like a crucial out against against the guy like yeah that. which i think you could um, kind of see a little bit in those first numbers that Buster only brought up of just like it's yeah. trending downward anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. And so what will be interesting too, and this is another only point, but I feel like of late you've seen, like you said, like the Super Bowl pens, like you see somebody go to like a Josh Hader or an Andrew Miller, though not as much of, of late, but like some one of those top end guys to come in when it's like the sixth inning and the bases are loaded and we – we really got to get out of this clean. Like, I feel like you're going to see a lot more of those guys come in, get that one out to end the inning, and then depending on how they've been used, like maybe they come back out and pitch the seventh, and mm-hmm. you see some different things later on in the game. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think the – I don't know. The walks, the intentional walks, I'm curious to see. Like, lineup construction, I'm curious to see. And then just overall, like at the end of the season, I just – I'm sure lots of people are going to go on like a deep dive of like, what did we actually see change because of this? So, yeah, at that point, it'll be interesting to go back <clears> and look <throat> at it. But right now, I think we can only really speculate. So, um, which, which you did a fantastic job of. Yeah. Just, just wanted to say, I that. appreciate that. Um, well done, Mason. Song. <laughs> I, I have to, I have to give a lot of the credit to Buster Romney because I read a lot of his stuff ahead of time yeah. and that kind of, formulates my own opinions or at least gets me going in the right direction so um that'll be interesting and then oh slight slight can't miss that one a very very huge change uh because we saw a world record use of 90 instances of position players pitching in 2019 Mm -hmm. uh that is capped now under the new rule uh i think it's by a certain run differential i want to say it's seven runs now uh, let's see. Almost learning. Run differential of more than six or in extra innings is when it's permissible now. So, um, that sort of matters because your roster spots, because of that cap, are now going to be designated position player, pitcher, or two way player. And the two way player rule is essentially only there for Otani. Uh, and then I guess Brandon McKay. Right is coming up now, uh, but it's well that was that was going to be my question because if it, like what happens with Otani and can teams, you know, do the letter of the law stuff and and designate certain guys like these two guys who are at the end of our benches are going to be, um, you know, now are going to be two way players so, so that we can throw them in when we're down six. They did. And we don't want to waste another bullpen. Guy. So two things. So I don't think it'll be a huge of a deal because I was surprised by this. So 90 times last year, which was the, the highest of all time of those mm-hmm. 90, guess how many would still be allowed in 2020? 84, 86. Really good guess. Nice work. Wow. 
Yeah. So only four of them and both of those or all four of those were either five or six run differentials when they yeah. came in. So they were, right. they were one or two runs away from being able to go. So I don't think it'll be a huge rule, but they also threw in to be designated a two way player. They have to have a record of one season with at least 20 innings pitched and 20 games started with three plate appearances. So, mm-hmm. uh, okay. With a as a position player or a designated hitter, so they did they did sort of think of that um, yeah. just to keep that okay. cap of thirteen. But so that was that was the last rule change, which uh, you know basically is going to have no effect. So all right, great. Well, Do you I don't know what else we have. I mean, we never really touched on Mookie, but I feel like that's kind of been. I feel like it's, it was a while back, yeah. and I feel it's like been a little it's bit pretty straightforward. And obviously, we'll we'll talk a lot about you know his impact on the team when we get into like our specific previews, um, yeah. and you know it, it's it's in that weird period. We we talked about it before we we officially started recording. Just it's in that weird period of spring training where you're like you're so excited because it's back, but it's also not really back. And like the first couple workouts, you're like, oh, this is awesome, and then the first game or two, you're like. Yes, we're playing baseball again. And then all of a sudden you realize you're like, the guys that actually are going to have an impact on the team are only playing at most like yep. four innings at this point. Uh, yep. I will say one thing I've loved about the current spring training is the massive uptick in mic'd up players. This has been wonderful. The, Riz- <laughs> the Anthony Rizzo stuff, that's crazy. Oh, my gosh. The, just <laughs> having him. I'm going for two here. No, I'm not. <laughs> Him, him, and and Chris Bryant at the same time mic'd up was a wonderful idea. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was an ESPN broadcast that did that. It was, I don't know. It it just really brought a new, a really awesome new way to engage with a spring training game because, like yeah. his first plate appearances, of course, you know Chris Bryant is is leading off, which is the thing we could talk about in the future. Um, and he's up Ooh, there. We want to talk about leadoff guys. I can talk about leadoff <laughs> guys all day. Cutchin's not going to be back for opening day. I have no idea what the Phillies are going to do. Um, but yeah, Chris like nails the first pitch, and he's like, "That's the first time I've swung at the first pitch all all spring training so far." <laughs> and it went foul, and now I'm tired. <laughs> Dude, that's the internal model. And then he like he swings and misses it like a slider, and he's like, "I I almost think he." He might have dropped a GD. I'm not sure. He might have said dang, but it sounded like he did. But Rizzo covered up for him right away. He was like, what was that? What was that? What was that? What was the pitch? What did he throw you? And so it was just like cool to kind of see that banter. Um, you had a really cool moment with or a really cool moment with Rizzo being like, he has not thrown me a fastball all day. I'm 100% calling a fastball here. And then he drills one into the gap on a fastball. So that was cool to see, like, the thought process at work. Yeah. And then just to get, like, some character from him, like, mid-game, like, got you know, Rizzo, like, fielded a grounder. And he's like, get over, get over, get over. Hit him in the chest, Anthony. Hit him in the chest, Anthony. <laughs> like, talking to himself. <laughs> and he took a shot at the Astros at some point, which is just, it's like open, yeah. open season on them, which is fun. <laughs> Um, That's another interesting thing in spring training. Guys just getting open season food constantly oh, yeah. um, between the fans. But, but unfortunately, it's the it's the guys who had nothing to do with it. It's like the double A yeah, guys <laughs> getting the brunt of it. <laughs> who who really at the at this stage of their career could have just as equally been victims of it when they got like traded or something, and oh, then absolutely. came up for one day, gave up seventeen runs, and then never pitched again. But <laughs> um, yeah, that's. That's been cool to see. Um, 
so I guess the last thing to kind of tease us into our own standings, um, just like really quick, just gut reaction to uh, Baseball America's standing predictions. Uh, we will okay. do our own in the next episode or probably two, knowing our um, ability to drag things on a bit uh, when it oh, comes absolutely. to baseball. We're gonna get we're gonna get so sidetracked by the worst things. <laughs> my my current. I think I think the current odds of what's going to sidetrack us the most currently is uh, Jesus Aguilar on the Marlins <laughs> and whether or not he can hit 35 homers. But seems 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 reasonable. Seems like a reasonable yeah, thing it, to talk about for more than that's the, you know five that's seconds. Rally, but, right? Okay. Um, so we'll do our own predictions. It'll be interesting to see. We'll have to talk about if we can come up with some ways to spice it up, or if we just stick with the you know tried and true method of you know, here's our NL episode, let's go East, Central, West, or, you know, we'll yeah. figure some things out. But so I'll read you their projected standings, just gut reaction, like agree, sort of agree, strongly agree, disagree, strongly disagree. And if you want to give like a one or two sentence why, and we'll cap it at that so we can... I'll keep it as short as possible. Yeah, so we can leave a lot of the actual analysis for the the predictions episodes, but, uh, so NL East, we'll go, you want, you want to start there? You want to start in your backyard or would you, you want to say let's, that? Let's, let's start right there. All right. Uh, Braves, Nationals, Mets, Phillies, Marlins in that order. Got reaction. Strongly disagree. No, I think, <laughs> I think, uh, I, 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 yeah, I think I'll probably put the Phillies in third, um, Braves first, but, um, I don't. I don't think the Nationals are going to be nearly as good this year, and I also think the Mets are going to have trouble staying healthy as always. Yeah, this is a point I will make for both the East and the Central, and probably will make several times when we're actually flushing it out. But you could basically tell me the top four in both of those divisions in any order, and I would not like be mad at you. Yeah, like I could no, probably well, that's, argue that's like thing. a run here or there, or like a small yeah. edge for one team. But you could tell me any one of those four—Mets, Phillies, Nationals, Braves—in any order. One through four, and I would be like, "Yeah, all right." Mm-hmm. Like you see a path for each one of those teams, yep. but I think that's almost the the whole. I I think I definitely mentioned this on one of our off season podcasts. I'm just sit, like I looked o- we looked over the the NL, and I was just like, "Wait a minute!" Like I think I think you could probably make a case for every team in the NL of having a path to the postseason, yep. unless it's like the Pirates and the Marlins. I think yeah, Pirates, Marlins, in. I would say the Giants and probably still Maybe the Rockies. The Rockies. Yeah. yeah, but that's it. That's four teams. So that's that's pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, I, a lot I, of parity in the NFL. Yep, yep, yep. And I and I, I would I I would agree with you. I think the Braves are the the first there. Um, and then, like I said, I could really, with the exception of Marlins five, I could go any order. Um, and even if the Braves somehow you know didn't didn't finish first, uh, it wouldn't be like earth shattering either. Um, so NL Central, they've got St. Louis, Chicago, Cincinnati, Milwaukee, and Pittsburgh. Again, like any order of those four, and I would believe it. I think there's a there's a the NL Central was like, uh, with the exception of the Reds, who were you know having to move up anyway from the you know probably the fourth the fourth spot was very quiet as far as offseason moves. Like I think you saw all mm. three of the top three teams from the last two years in the Cardinals, Cubs, and Brewers, 
all lose more guys than they brought in or the guys yeah. they brought in were very quiet. So um, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting. I think initially there's like a little bit of a weird gut feeling that says put the Reds first. But at the same time, yeah, I, I had the same thing, I had the same feeling at the same time. But super I, I quick is just I don't think they're winning it. Yeah, I don't think they're winning it. So but they're going to be so much better. Yes, than they have yes, exactly. That's I'll leave it at that. And we can get into the actual analysis. I was listening to the the Cubs played the Reds, I think, yesterday. And I was listening to the spring game. And by the, the way, the radio guys were talking, you'd think they'd already won the last five World Series. Uh, and the Cubs were still in the hundred, you know, at this point, it'd be like a hundred and fifteen year yeah. drought. Like it is. They're so sure that they've made the moves they need to move. And I'm like, it just doesn't work overnight like that, which we'll get into more in depth when we do the previews. So, uh, but again, top four, uh, any order wouldn't surprise me. Um, West is the first one that's pretty easy. Uh, Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Padres, Rockies, Giants. I feel like you could probably have a conversation swapping the Padres and the Diamondbacks, maybe either way. And you could probably have a conversation to swap the Giants and the Rockies either way. Probably... Giants last, but um, that that's really the only conversation. I think Dodgers are far and away the favorite out there. Yeah, I, I don't think there's there's too much there. I, I think I'll probably lean Padres um, over over the D backs. Uh, we can get into that. Um, I also just want the the Giants to get last place because Gabe Kapler. So. <laughs> and there you have it. Yes, I'm that petty. I'm that petty. Um, and we'll go in reverse order for the AL. So AL West, they've got the Houston Astros finishing first. Uh, Oakland, LA Angels, uh, Texas Rangers, and Mariners. I don't really have a ton of problems like that. I I, I feel like the Astros are going one of two ways. They're either going to do that. They're either going to win because they're going to want to shove it in everybody's faces, mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to go nuts all year, or this is just going to be too much to overcome. And you already – I mean – you already see signs of both in spring training. You've yeah. seen some guys yeah. match and basically tell everyone to go to hell. Uh, and you've seen like George Springer, who I think of like booing, and then he swung out of his shoes and crumpled to the ground because he swung so hard and missed, like trying to silence the booing yeah. crowd. So like I could see it going either way. I still think they're probably the favorite in that division just from talent alone, uh, though it does raise the question, how talented are they? <laughs> if they knew what was coming. <laughs> Uh, we'll find <laughs> out. It's uh, yeah, Hollywood celebrities. Uh, what do they know? Do they know stuff? Let's find out. Anything? Let's find out. <laughs> wow, what a what a reference. Um, I this is where I think I differ. I actually think um, we'll get into more why, but I, I think the Angels are actually gonna mm. gonna win that. Debate. I'd be cool with it. I think this is the year. I'd be happy for Joe Madden. To, I'd be happy to see that. He's he's been really cool, which was another cool thing. Mike up seeing his interview uh pre-game talking about his time in chicago and then also while they had uh rizzo and bryant i i always struggle to not say brizzo because that's just their their couple name uh while they all was brizzo (laughs) while they have them mic'd up they actually brought joe on and they talked to him live like in game uh which was really cool and just to see the the love that's still there and uh i i don't know as much as he's gone and i think it was probably a good move for both sides like uh, I love yeah. Joe Madden. It was time. Yeah. It was time. got to meet him, shake his hand before the World Series, which I still claim a part of. Uh, touched the Stanley. I think I've said this before <laughs> on air, but touched the Stanley Cup the year before the Hawks finally won it. Then they won it. Shook Joe Madden's hand the year before the Cubs finally won it. Then they won it. It's it's totally Dang. the effect. So can can you 
I mean, at this point, I mean, and then this is going to be tougher with the with coronavirus fears. But is there any way you can get in and you know, I don't know, fist bump our boy Shelby Miller to like get him some good luck going into this year? Uh, I don't know how I feel about. I feel like I have to be very selective with the things that I I bless with the. T- I apparently have the Midas touch right it's gotta now. It's got to be things you really care yeah. about. There's nothing we care about at this podcast more than the success of Shelby Miller. That's fair. That's fair. Well, I guess relevance of Shelby. All right. Well, if anyone knows contact information for Mason Saunders, get get it to us so we can interview him yes. and also Shelby Miller. Uh, we we love to have him on since he's he's apparently the heart and soul of the podcast and <laughs> name later podcast. So uh, yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. I would love to see that that happen. So we'll we'll get into more why next week. I'm I want to I want to question it, but I won't. Uh, let's see. AL Central. We've got Twins, Cleveland, Chicago, Kansas City, Detroit. Um, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty straightforward. Uh, pretty, yeah, yeah, I think so. I could see a little bit. I could see it's kind of the same thing as the NL West for me. I think the Twins are the clear favorites. I could see the White Sox and the Indians uh swapping two and three either way and i could see the royals and tigers swapping four and five either way um i think there are a couple really interesting teams that have been kind of bad kind of middling that are going to be interesting to see where they are next year this year that are at least worth keeping an eye on i think one of them is definitely um the white Sox, as we just covered but i think another one's the reds I think. yep uh, it's probably, another one's probably the Padres, but there are some teams that are should theoretically be up and coming, and it'll be interesting to see how Well, and then, and then the White the White Sox keep extending everyone. They you know Montgomery yeah, today, they so they this today. yeah, and yeah. then uh, they already gave Luis Robert, who's supposed to be the next big guy, his his thing, so they don't have to worry about the service time game with him. They did the same thing with Eloy last year, and um, they still got some more in the pipeline coming up. So they'll be really. Really fun to watch. I'm honestly like paying, at least in spring training, I've almost paid just as much attention to them as I have the Cubs. Um, so I could see them like pending, you know, some of that youth jockeying for the second position. But yeah. again, we'll get more in depth in the future. But not, I don't really have any arguments with with the the rank they have it in. I I could see some movement underneath the Twins, but I think a lot like the NL West, you've got your clear number one. And then maybe the two middle teams could swap for second. Maybe the two bottom teams could swap for who's actually last. But yeah. don't see much I, going I, to that. I wouldn't. I also wouldn't be surprised if the Indians put together a, a better season than last year. Had a little bit more stability yeah. everywhere around the roster. Yeah. You know, if if Lindor plays to his potential, I think like there's 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 a path for the Indians to win that. Yep. Well. Yep. There's also a path for them to like be 500 or worse and sell off everything. Yep. So it'll, mm-hmm. it'll be really interesting to see. Um, Much like the Phillies. In that. Yeah. I Cubs too. I mean, I think if they're like 500 or less come like June, it's, yeah. you're going to see a wholesale and it's, it's going to be brutal this close to the world series. But um, I do also want to get in with, into it uh, at some point, probably next podcast, just like the, the idea of the impact of a manager since yeah, you know, Cubs yeah. and Phillies are both going in, with new managers and Interesting the possible impact of that, because I think we're both probably really optimistic, but also both probably have Overly optimistic. Negative, <laughs> negative views of the impacts that managers actually have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll be, we'll have to get into that. We'll have to find some good research for that uh, to be able to back it up with actual, actual fact. Uh, and then finally, 
Uh, AL East, they've got Yankees, no surprise. Rays are our little uh, our little dream team uh, in, in two at Rays. Uh, Red mm-hmm. Sox, three. Toronto, four. Baltimore, five. Again, don't really have a ton of issues. It seems like everyone in Boston is hurt, though, so maybe Toronto has a shot at three. Uh, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I wouldn't I, – I, I, the Blue Jays is another one of those teams yep. that I want to see yep. how they do, and it's – I, I really like the, the Ryu signing, and I just I think they might – they have some – it depends on when their youth is yep. ready to actually dominate. And if it's this year, they have a shot at really getting up there. Yep. Um, every, every team there, again, it's, you can, any of those top four – I think the Yankees are probably a clear number one. But yep. those middle three, I feel like, could be, could be interesting. And, I don't know, the Orioles will probably win 70 games. Yeah. <laughs> And then we'll give our own predictions so we don't have to comment on this, but just to round out theirs and kind of put a, a, a ribbon on it, they had the Dodgers and Yankees playing each other in the World Series uh, with the interesting anecdotes of, of the 115 World Series ever played, the Dodgers and Yankees have opposed each other in 11 of them. That accounts for 9.5% of total World Series matchups and is by far the most common. It's such a boring match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give the people what they want. <laughs> you want to see the Marlins go on a tear and play the Tigers in the World Series? Let's do it. You're dang right. <laughs> I, no two, one would watch two, that. Oh, my goodness. Two baseball markets. No, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, yeah, so on that, that lovely note, um, we'll, we'll wrap it up for here. We'll give that, you know, that little uh, – speed through their projections is our our teaser for our own projections coming up in the in the coming weeks leading into to opening day which we kind of got to get on it opening day is much earlier this year it's like march 25th or 26th it's only it's like oh. literally three weeks away from today so that's pretty exciting barely barely even spring yeah yeah good to go i'm ready for it i'm ready for it oh absolutely i can't wait all right. Well, cool. with, well, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, with, with dreams of, of opening day right around the corner, we'll, we'll leave you to it. Thanks for tuning in. Get a hit.